Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Over 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul was walking through the city of Athens, looking at all the idols set up there, when he came across one with a very strange inscription. And here it is, the Unknown God. You see, the Athenians worshipped many gods, and in order to be sure that they hadn't missed one, they included a kind of generic, all-purpose god to cover all the bases. It may seem silly to our Western minds, but in one way they were right. There was a god who was unknown to them, one that they either hadn't the slightest idea about or had a completely wrong conception of. Paul took the opportunity to preach to the people about the god that he knew and appreciated personally, but was yet unknown to them. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen also takes a look at this unknown god, that is, the god of the Bible, the god of heaven. You see, our culture is probably not a lot different from the Athenians. Though we live in a so-called Christian country, do you know this God? Is he basically unknown to you? Who exactly is this God? And what is he like? Does he play a part in our world and in our lives today? Is it possible to know him personally? Well, these are just some of the questions taken up in our gospel message today. Acts chapter 17 and verse number 22. Then Paul, that is the preacher here, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill, now that's in Athens, Greece, and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, with this writing on it, to the unknown God whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Now just drop down to verse number 27. This is the reason, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him. Notice this, though he be not far from every one of us. God is not far from every one of us. Put simply, he's near. He's near. Now, just one other passage in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, and verse number 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now go to the end of the chapter, verse 36. And it says, John 3:36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Acts chapter 17 is over in Athens, Greece. 
And alongside of the Parthenon, there's a little bit of a rock hill, a little bit of a rock face, and that was Mars Hill. That's where the, the judges sat, and they sat right on the rocks so they could make an equitable decision concerning the cases of law. And as Paul was walking along through the area of Mars Hill, he saw an idol or, a, or an inscription, and it said, To the unknown God. And as he thought of that, as he read that, he thought to himself, these people are trying to find a God that they don't even know. That is the inscription on many a life to the unknown God. We would like to tell you about the God who exists and the God who speaks to us and the God who is concerned about every one of us and the God who does not want anyone to lose their soul forever. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God that has given us this letter, this book. It's his word. And the very God of heaven is the God of salvation that has you in his sights. He has you in his scope. God's interest is in every single individual. Do you know tonight that there is something far more important than being able to buy everything that you want in this world or earning so much money that your future is secure? There is something more important than all the pursuits in our temporary existence here. The greatest reality that we could face and that we could come to know is the great person of the God of salvation, the God of the Bible. Do you know that this book never tries to prove the existence of God? It doesn't try to do that. In fact, if you were to look in Genesis chapter 1, it starts right off by saying, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. No question mark there, is there? Is there a God? Yes, there is. Is he the God that has made this world? Yes, he has. And as we look at this Bible, we find that there are clear truths that tell us about this God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But years later, there was a, he wasn't behind a lectern, behind a pulpit like this, but there was a, prophet and he went through the land and he spoke to the people and his message was very simple he said prepare to meet your God and you know what we're trying to tell you we're trying to tell you that you need to prepare to meet this God ah but this book tells us far more about this God and this book tells us there is one God and one mediator one go-between one link between God and men It's the man, Christ Jesus. And so we find that this book tells us that God has revealed himself. He has shown us who he is. How did he do that? He sent his son. And as we were able to sing tonight, if you were here in the opening part of the service, down from the glory, down from heaven, the Savior came, the very Son of God. And tonight God has revealed who he is in a way that we can see and understand and appreciate. God gave his son to be the savior of the world. That's why I'd like to look tonight very simply at this wondrous God that we are speaking on behalf of. Because the greatest reality that we can face really hinge on two truths, two facts. Number one, is there a God? And number two, if there is a God, what is he like? Is there a God? And if there is a God, what is he like? And your answer 
to those two questions will determine the, the bent of your life, will determine the course of your life, will affect your life as nothing else will. Tonight, we are here to tell you that, yes, there is a God. And we'd like to tell you tonight exactly what he's like. Because likely your thoughts of this God are not according to his words. I say that because I had hard thoughts of God. I had my own understanding or my own thoughts about what he was like, and I didn't think he was interested in me. But tonight we can read about a God who desires that you might come to know him. In fact, the Bible says, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Let me tell you very simply in the few minutes that remain about this God. There's a verse in the Bible that says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. You know what that means? It means that God sees us. You say, God sees me? That's right. God sees us. God knows where you are tonight. God knows where you were yesterday. God not only sees the steps of our lives, but he knows our thoughts. He knows our purposes and our desires. He knows everything that we're involved with. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. That means that God is a God of knowledge, that God knows what I'm like. And as I think of that great truth, that God sees us, and God sees you, and God sees me tonight, exactly where we are and exactly how we are, means that I can't hide from him. It means that I can hide from other people, and I can do things that maybe only a few other people know. But God knows everything about me. Everything. In fact, the Bible says all things are exposed to him with whom we have to do. God sees all that we are and all that we've done. He knows every thought. But having said that, I trust you understand that God's understanding and knowledge of us is an understanding of concern. He follows our steps and he is concerned about the way we're going. There are two roads on this map. There is a broad road that the Bible speaks of, Matthew 7, 13, a, a broad road that leads down to destruction. There is a narrow way that leads to heaven. And between those two roads, there is a door. And you say, what is the door all about? John chapter 10, verse 9 are the words of the Lord Jesus, where he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. So as God sees men and women, and I was once on this road, as God sees men and women on this road, is he concerned? Certainly is. Reminds me of a trip I took to Toronto. I was driving along, and uh, anyone that's driven in Toronto knows that you have to go with the traffic. 110, 120, and people were passing me at that point. But as I was driving along, I came up behind a pickup truck that was towing an old trailer. And as I looked at that trailer, and I have pulled quite a few trailers in my life, I saw smoke coming up from the back axle on the right-hand side, on the passenger side of the trailer. And I knew that that meant trouble. But, you know, the, the driver was on the other side, and he couldn't see the smoke, didn't know the problem. So what was I going to do? Was I going to just keep on driving? Was I just going to pass him by and wave at him and say, have a good day? Now, it's no credit to me. 
But I thought to myself, somebody has to tell that driver that he has trouble at the back axle. So as I came up alongside of him, I began to honk the horn. And I began to point as carefully as I could to the back of the trailer. And somehow that driver got the message that I was trying to tell him something. Do you know tonight there is a God, and as he follows and he sees the way you're going, he is concerned. Why is he concerned? Because he doesn't want you to come to this place. He doesn't want you to lose your soul. He doesn't want you to lose your life in a meaningless existence. So he speaks to us because he sees all that we are and he sees the direction that we're going. Do you know tonight as we look at this Bible, there was a moment when the Lord Jesus looked over a city. It was Jerusalem, a city that had been very blessed that had heard the word of God, that knew about the God of the Bible, but they were indifferent to him. They didn't care about him. And as the Lord Jesus looked at that city, the eyes of the Lord, as he looked at that city, he wept, he cried. Because here was a group of people that were missing the greatest blessing of their life and of their eternity. There is a God who cares all about you. And you know, for a Christian, for those who know the Lord Jesus as their Savior, that is wonderful truth, that he knows all that we're going through, that he knows the difficulty of the journey. But tonight, I want to tell my audience that the very God of salvation cares about you. He knows the tally of the hairs in your head. He knows exactly what you're thinking. And tonight, there is a God who is concerned about your life, and your eternity, where you're going, the eyes of the Lord tells us that he sees us and he knows us. But there's another verse in the Bible that speaks about the hand of God. But we find that the hand of God tells us about his power. His power. The God of the Bible and the God who has made this world is not a helpless God. He's not a weak God. He's a powerful God. We find that that power has been seen in a variety of ways. Do you know that the Bible tells us that our very breath is in his hand? That's quite a thing, isn't it? That God holds our breath in his hand. Oh, we don't even think about that, do we? We just take a breath and take another breath, and we go to bed at night. We don't even think about whether we're going to get through the night. We, we just keep on breathing. But our very breath is in his hand. My, that's quite a thing, isn't it? And when our last breath comes and when God's hand closes, you know there's not a doctor that is able to pry back those fingers and give us another breath? The God in whose hand thy breath is. He controls our very breath. But there's a wonderful truth concerning the hand of God that applies to all of us. We find that there's a God who invites us, who constrains us, who yearns, who welcomes us, to come to himself. In fact, the Lord Jesus could say, Come, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Those are wonderful words. That's a wonderful promise. Uh, maybe this audience doesn't have any problems. But you know, it's a wonderful thing when in the midst of your difficulty, you can find someone that will say to you, You come to me and, and I will solve that for you. You come to me and I will help you out. You come to me and I will pay your bills. There's a God in heaven who constrains us to come, who with outstretched arms, who with welcoming arms, with a welcoming hand, he said, you come to me, 
and I will give you life. You come to me for the forgiveness of your sins. You come to me and I will welcome you to myself. In fact, the Bible says that the person that comes to Christ, he will never, no, never turn aside. Never. That's the truth of John 6 and 37. But you know, the hand of God, it brings conviction. It makes us aware of our need as a sinner. In fact, there's a man in the Bible by the name of Job. And one day he said to his friends, have mercy upon me, have mercy upon me, for the hand of God has touched me. What did Job mean? It meant that the very power of God had singled him out. And he was aware that God was speaking to him. Do you know that that's exactly why God has given us his word? Do you know that that's exactly why God speaks to us? God makes us aware that we have a problem. God makes us aware that we need to have our sins forgiven. God touches our lives. Maybe you have wondered, there are things that I have done that are not right. Could I be forgiven? Could I have peace with God? All of those thoughts come from the very hand of God as he touches lives by way of conviction. Those same hands that invited people to come to him. One day upon a cross, the hands of the Lord Jesus were outstretched. And he allowed the very men that he had made. He allowed the very nation that he loved and that he had come to save. He allowed that group of people to nail him to a cross. Nails were put through his hands and through his feet. He was lifted up upon a cross. The crucified hands of the Savior tell us of a great work that was done by the mighty purpose of God. God sees. God moves. Ah, but I love John 3.16 because, you know, that tells us about God's heart. God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. We can tell you about the very God of heaven. And a moment came when he turned to his son, he said, it's time to go. And when God sent his son, he knew exactly where his son would go. And he knew exactly what would happen to his son. And he knew the end of that journey would be a cross. And he knew that there would be people and they would spit into the face of his son. And he knew that that son would suffer and bleed and die because of our sins. And yet God so loved this world, this vast group of humanity. There is not one person that God does not love. God so loved the world. That takes us all in tonight. That includes all of us. God so loved the world that he did something about it. He gave his only begotten son. God has revealed. God has shown. God has manifested is another word the Bible used. God has shown us his heart, his concern, his grace, his mercy, his desire for our salvation by the giving of his son. What tremendous love. That love was undeserved on our part. Did we deserve to have a Savior sent? No. No, because we had all gone our own way. We had chosen to disregard God. I'm speaking about my own self. For twenty, almost 22 years, I went my own way. No God for me. So that love was not deserved. But oh, when God revealed his love, it was unreserved. Nothing held back. God just didn't give us a little present. 
God just didn't beam down and say, no, I, I love you down there. I hope you're going to be all right. God's love and God's heart was revealed in its fullness without any holding back, without any reserve. God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. When the son came, he came to go to the cross. He came to suffer for our sins. The father sent the son to be the savior of the world. How costly was it? How much did it cost God to give salvation? It cost him everything. It cost him his son. And yet that son was given. The heart of God was shown. Follow this road down to a place called hell. That's why a door was made. That's why a savior was sent. That's why he opened up the door. And that's why he invites people to come. God so loved the world. He gave, he gave his only begotten son. His name? The Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Lord. There is salvation. There is the forgiveness of sins found in what God has provided in the one that God has sent. But I close with this. What would happen if you just disregarded this message? What would happen if you just said, no, I'm not interested? Are there any consequences? We have read a very solemn statement in John 3.36, the last of that chapter. He that believeth not the Son, he that says no to the door, he that says, no, I'm going to continue on this road, he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God, the wrath of God, the judgment of God abides on him. You see, your response to those two facts, is there a God? Yes, there is. What is he like? He's a God of absolute knowledge. He's a God of absolute power. He's a God of amazing love and grace. He's a God of absolute holiness. And that's why you need to trust the Savior tonight. That's why you need to receive what God has provided in the gift of his Son. I close with this, a golden verse, a wonderful truth. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, you have to deal with this God of absolute knowledge and power, this God of amazing love and grace, this God of perfect holiness. And that's why you need a savior, one who will enable you to know and to approach this God and allow you to enjoy his presence eternally. We trust that the God of the Bible will be unknown to you no longer and that you today will come to the experience of his love and mercy through trusting his word and in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, 
please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior, and in times like these, you need an Anchor.